We are on the move in the book of Acts, spurred on by the words of Jesus found in that capstone verse in chapter 1, where Jesus says, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And little did the early church know that their scattering, their being pushed out, would not be determined by their own timetable. It was Saul and his religious mobsters instigating the scattering. These religious leaders persecute, imprison, they bully, they oppress, and the church is pushed out. And the disciples move into what is thought to be enemy territory. Judeans and Samaritans had a complicated, antagonistic history. Both groups worshipped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and yet they had a mutual disdain for each other. Judeans thought that Samaritans were second-class citizens, and Samaritans thought Judeans were privileged on a power trip. They truly hated each other and had hundreds of years of grudges and grievances to hold against each other. Some of them legitimate, but some of them of myth and legend. But something was afoot, and the Jerusalem Christians start telling the story of Jesus in Samaria. Jesus, risen from the dead. And the Samaritans welcome the message. They welcome the Spirit's presence, the Spirit's healing, the Spirit's hope. And the Samaritans are marveling at the wonders and the signs of this what I've been calling ragtag crew of dock workers and fishermen. These Jesus followers who are casting out unclean spirits, they're they're doing miracles where the lame are walking and the poor hear the good news, and there's this abundance of joy. And in today's story, we even read of a celebrity conversion celebrity conversion, and maybe I was thinking about celebrity conversions. Maybe it's like Bob Dylan when he recorded that LP in the 70s. What was it called? Slow Train Coming? One of those famous songs, you gotta serve somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord. I think Ken Bellows was singing this to us a while ago. You gotta serve somebody. Or for me as a teenager in the 90s, it was Donna Summer, the queen of disco, recording what looked very much like a Christian LP. Check it out for yourself. The LP, She Works Hard for the Money, has some real Christian tunes on it, everybody. Or how about our Canadian Christian role model, J.B., Justin Bieber? Am I right? This superstar who supposedly follows the Lord, goes to church, and 
makes lots of money at the same time. <laughs> yes, Lord, I want to be a believer. <laughs> There's actually a book called Believer, believe, believe it or not. Uh, okay, so back to the storyline. In Acts 8, the celebrity conversion is Simon the Sorcerer. It's, it's a great stage name. He's, he's known as the Great One in all of Samaria. But the Christians get him. And suddenly he's not amazing people with his performances and his powers. Instead, he's joined up with Philip and the disciples of Jesus. He's a believer. He's baptized. And for weeks and months, he can be found at Philip's right-hand side, learning and looking and listening, being mentored by the disciples. He's amazed at what he sees, the signs, these great miracles amongst his people in Samaria. And so the word gets back to the apostles, and uh, they hear about this breakthrough that's happening in Samaria, and Peter and John are sent to connect with this work, to celebrate and to unify the work, because the other great miracle that's happening in their midst is that Judeans and Samaritans, known for their religious and ethnic sparring and feuding, they're being drawn together. It's a miracle. One body, one faith, one baptism. As Paul the Apostle would write about it 20 years later, there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave nor free, male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And they lived happily ever after. And ne'er was heard a discouraging word, and the skies were not cloudy all day. <laughs> if you've been anywhere with us in this act series over the past several weeks, we know that's not how it plays out. Seven chapters into the book of Acts, and we know that this is not how the roller coaster ride of the early church rumbles along, right? And so that keeps us humble. And it reminds us, like I said last week, to be careful or to be full of care. Because in the midst of the Holy Spirit pushing and shaping and energizing the early church, the Holy Spirit bequeathing great gifts and great grace, we see great greed. We read that when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of hands, he offered Peter and John money, saying, give me this power too, so that anyone I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter rebukes him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain God's gift with money. And can you just hear the gasp or feel the tension? Because some of these disciples and apostles would have been there during the Ananias and Sapphira story where they got slain by the Holy Spirit for fudging the numbers, for lying about matters of money. 
But they breathe a sigh of relief because it appears that Simon does humble himself. He hears the rebuke and he says to Peter and John, pray for me. And interestingly enough, we don't get any further resolution of this story for Simon. Whatever became of Simon the sorcerer? We don't know. Did he buckle under the eternal, in, internal pressure of his greed, or did he really come round? But I want to say one more thing about Simon. He isn't an outsider. He's not this odious charlatan trying to con the disciples with this cash-under-the-table deal. He's a believer. He's an insider, one of the devoted And maybe that's why the story doesn't get resolved for us. Because it becomes another cautionary tale from the Acts of the Apostles. Another wise up or fess up story that reminds us of how easy it is for even us insiders to move from a place of power and gift and grace to perhaps a place of scheming, trickery, and greed. And it gets cloaked in the name of Jesus. Let's be full of care. I was reflecting on my 14-plus years here, and we haven't had any celebrity conversions at First Baptist, I don't think. Though... Uh, I've heard stories that back in the late 90s or early 2000s, Stephen Hawking worshipped at First Baptist Church Edmonton one Sunday. Is that true? I've got a couple head nods out there. I don't think we converted him, though, did we? Okay, so we, we didn't begin an era of celebrity ministry. But all that to say that none of us are immune to the spark and sparkle of making Jesus spectacular. Because sometimes, I feel this way, wouldn't it be nice once in a while to not always be the underdog? And and do we want to keep following this Lord who never seems to seek the limelight, spotlight? Never wants to have a number one billboard hit? This Jesus who never seems to want to be thanked for an Oscar or a Grammy or an MVP award. Instead, it's this suffering Savior. And Jesus and his church travel the way of humility, the way of caring for the least and the last and the lost. It's a way of hope, it's a way of healing but it is truly an ordinary way that involves everyday faithfulness. It's unspectacular. It's unassuming. It's unbuyable. Can't be purchased, can't be finagled, can't be manipulated. And that ought to be good news for us. And at the end of the story, in today's story, we read that Peter and John just keep plodding along. After the drama and the tension and 
the repenting ways of Simon the sorcerer, Peter and John go forth. Not in the search of a tent revival or a glitz and glamour of the big city. They simply go onwards to the villages of the Samaritans, proclaiming good news of great joy, this message that a living Jesus has risen from the dead. And the apostles simply go forth full of grace, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. And we get to join these disciples with that everyday faithfulness, all of us together, regardless of our age or our stage or our stature or education. We get to do this everyday faithfulness together with very ordinary people. I've been doing this over the past few weeks as we've been gathering and more and more have have been together is to simply look around you, look to your left, look to your right, look behind you. These are the ordinary, everyday faithfulness Christians that we do this work with. No celebrities here, (laughs) I don't think. (laughs) Pretty ordinary people. Look again, look again. They're not celebrities, I'm telling you. They're not celebrities. But that's great news, isn't it? We get to journey together with this everyday faithfulness, being the people of God, not spectacular, but following the ways of Jesus, this humble way. But even as we read at the beginning of the story, this way that filled the people with great joy. As we close our time in today's story, I want to share a few sentences from a prayer that I found from Walter Brueggemann this week that I think helps frame our journey together. God, you give us your spirit of power, energy, and wisdom. Spirit of power, energy, and wisdom. As we wonder at your way in love for the world you love, in praise that transforms our fears, in wonder, love, and praise. Our lives beyond ourselves towards you, O God, a blessing in the world.